Good morning, everyone. C3 Memphis is live in five, four, three, two, one. Good morning. Welcome to Christ Community Church. We're in Zach Smith's backyard. There's no machinery beeping this time. Yes, we did it. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we're going to play some songs this morning. We encourage you guys to worship along with us. Larry is going to preach. So stick around. Tell your friends. Come on in. Join us for worship. Come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. Come, all you sinners, come find his mercy. Come to the table, he will satisfy. Taste of his goodness, find what you're looking for. Bring your addiction. 
come lay him down at the foot of the cross because jesus is waiting for god so loved the world good morning c3 family this is our call to worship for today, found in Isaiah, the 25th chapter. The Eternal, Commander of Heavenly Armies, is preparing a feast, a feast for everyone on this mystical mountain with aged wine and good food, the finest wine and choices meat. And God will swallow up the oppression that weighs us down. He will take away the heavy shroud that is draped over all the peoples of the world. God will swallow up death forever. The Lord, the eternal, will wipe away the tears from each and every face and deflect the scorn and shame his people endure from the whole world. For the eternal, for the eternal determined it should be so. And in that moment, at that glorious time, people will say, people, this is our God. We put our hope in him. We knew that he would save us. This is our God, the eternal for whom we waited. Let us rejoice and celebrate in his liberation. For on this mountain, the powerful hand of the eternal abides. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you now that you are our God, our Lord, and our salvation. We rejoice in that salvation and the blessed hope of Christ's soon return. Thank you for the faithful promises that you've made to us, your people. Renew now our joy and faith in believing and help us to wait in joyful anticipation for your return for the church. We bless and praise you, O God, that your promises to us are yes and amen. In Jesus, our Lord, to whom be all praise, glory, and dominion forever and ever. Amen and amen. And I searched the world But it couldn't fill me A man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough Then you came along and You put me back together And every desire is now satisfied Here in your love Oh, there's nothing better than you oh there's nothing better than you lord there's nothing nothing is better than you no i'm not afraid to show you my weakness my failures and flaws, Lord, you've seen them all, and you still call me friend. Cause the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. And there's not a place. 
peace, your mercy and grace won't find me again. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Church. Welcome. 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 Today, uh, in the message, Larry is going to talk a little bit or a lot <laughs> about the idea of paradox um, and what paradox is. Uh, and there are a lot of paradoxes in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, paradox is that literary convention where you place two things side by side that aren't same, but somehow they work out to be true. An apparent contradiction That's somehow true. that is somehow true. Like in the mm-hmm. Bible, uh, the, the Bible first, actually is filled with yeah, yeah. paradoxes, and God is very paradoxical. God, paradoxical. Yeah, paradoxical. God yeah. is paradoxical. Yeah. For example, Christ is will be the only one in heaven with wounds. Yes. A wounded perfection. That's a, a paradox. A, a, a wounded perfection. Yeah, that's you know, exactly right. right? Or yeah. the first shall yeah. be last. Or you have to, di- we, last week we talked about you have to die to live. Those are all paradoxes. Dying to experience life. Yeah. Well, literature, of course, is filled <laughs> with paradox. Yes. It's, and it's yes. delightful when we see them. Yes. And we understand them that way. So, for example, mm-hmm. um, I teach Hamlet. And in the play Hamlet, Hamlet makes this, uh, says this line, I must be cruel only to be kind. I must mm. be cruel to be kind. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so there it is. How can you be cruel? In order to be kind, he's going to kill somebody to make somebody happy. Of course, it's a tragedy, so it's all messed mm-hmm. up. But yes. yeah, so he, he speaks that way. Um, in John Donne's, John Donne was a metaphysical poet, and he was a believer, an Anglican priest, and uh, wrote a series of holy sonnets. And in holy sonnet number 11, begins, death be not proud. You may have heard that. But at the end, he says, death, thou shalt die. Mm-hmm. So he talks about how in the sonnet, how everybody it fears death, mm-hmm. and, and that's a normal thing. But when death comes, then death's dead, and you don't have to fear it anymore. So death mm-hmm. will die is paradox. Mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm. we understand it, but nonetheless, it's paradoxical. And then my it's powerful. Friend, it is. Yeah. It is. And, and they're usually pretty concise, uh, which the concision helps the power. Yes. And this is my favorite one, though. In George Orwell, I love this book. In George Orwell's book, Animal Farm, I don't know if you've ever read it, but if you have not, it's super thin, and you should go and read it. I've read it. It's great. It is. It's um, The animals take over the farm, so it becomes a totalitarian system, like the farmer's cruel to the animals, and they take over. And when they take over, they uh, on the side of the barn, they put their Ten Commandments, their Ten Rules, all the things that animals will and will not do. Very indicative of commandments. And the last of the rules is all animals are equal because that's what they want. They want to be equal, treated equally. Well, throughout the course of the, of the, of the story, of course, the people, the animals who rise to the top, those are the pigs. And the pigs start to be, become brutal, as groups will do, as leaders of groups can do. And at the end, the last, the, the, the last commandment on the barn has been changed. And it reads, mm-hmm. all animals are equal. But some animals are more equal than others. Mm. Mm. Paradox. Yes. More equal. You understand, we understand what it means, but the, it's got a punch to it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know this. I've been a pastor for 40 years, and as a part of that profession, I buried a lot of people. And part of that is that I have stood in hundreds of cemeteries, graveyards, where I've buried these people. Uh, And some of these graveyards have been huge. I mean, huge. Some of them have been very small. Some of them have been newer. Uh, And then some have been incredibly old. Um, uh, Some of them have been more, uh, have been in, in more urban settings. Some of them have been in more settings. Some have been incredibly manicured and well-kept. I mean, beautiful, almost like gardens. Uh, And then others, if you weren't, you know, if you didn't know where you were, you would think it was almost just a field, just overgrown and neglected and, you know. Um, What I have always found significant or, or uh, amazing is how in so many, especially the older graveyards, um, you find that the graveyards have been uh, uh, placed in sections uh, where certain people are buried in certain sections. Uh, Graveyards where there's a Catholic section versus a Protestant section. Um, uh, Graveyards where, or cemeteries where, black 
uh, sections versus white sections, yep. Jewish sections versus Gentile sections, uh, Confederates. Uh, we, we have a cemetery here in, in Memphis, Elmwood Cemetery, and uh, there's a Confederate section and a Yankee se uh, section. Uh, uh, in almost, at least in many, many, many graveyards or cemeteries, there'll be an area that is for the rich and another area uh, further in the back for the poor. Uh, but sections for different groups. Uh, and normally, uh, if you just think about it for a second, the, the more prime preferred sections are where certain groups are buried and the less prime, less preferred areas are where other people are buried. And uh, I, I always find that um, interesting, to say the least, and almost sadly comical, another paradox, uh, sad, sadly comical uh, when I think about it uh, from the perspective that there's going to be a day when hopefully most of those people that are buried in those different sections wind up in heaven, wake up in heaven, and they realize that in the in the in the eyes of God, in the in the economy of God, they're going to all be mixed up. Uh, there won't be any sections. There won't be any any. This group stays in this section. It'll, everybody will be equal, and everybody will be the same, and uh, everybody will be mixed up. Uh, it'll just be one big crowd of precious joyful, uh, redeemed, uh, celebratory people. Uh, and the reason is because the Bible declares that God, and really God alone, has no favorites. Uh, and I say it again, that the Bible declares, and that's what I want to talk about today, is the idea, this biblical idea, that God and truthfully, God alone has no favorites. Um, I've been reading through the Bible this year, uh, and I hope that many of you are doing the same. And right now, I'm in my journey, I'm in the major prophets. I just finished Isaiah, and, and now I'm in Jeremiah. And um, it just hit me again, Charlie, in a very fresh way, how as I've read Isaiah and read Jeremiah and am reading Jeremiah, just this very powerful reminder that God's um, message, God's uh, covenant, God's promises, God's dealings with Israel and God's covenants, His promises, His messages, and His dealings with all of the other people that surrounded Israel, what we normally say, all the ites, uh, uh, the Canaanites, the Moabites, the Edomites, mm -hmm. you know, all those ites, the Perizzites, and all these people, um, that the, the, the covenants of God, the promises of God, uh, the dealings that God has with people, uh, His messages to these people, they were all the same. 
God, the way God spoke to and related to Israel and the way God spoke to and related to all the neighboring peoples, if you read the major... Some of you are going, that's not true. The reason you say that, the reason you think that is because you have not spent time in the major prophets, in Isaiah, in Jeremiah, uh, in Ezekiel. And that's a tragedy one of the reasons that we have such a uh, flawed, uh, limited understanding of who God is and of God's ways and priorities and dealings with people is because we have not, we've spent more time in certain areas of the Bible than we have in other areas. And if you want to understand God as fully as we can understand God, um, we must look at what the Bible says about the God, thing. the whole thing, and not just part of what the Bible says. Um, and so, let me say it again. God's message, God's covenants, God's promises, and God's dealings with Israel, and His promises, His covenants, His messages, and His dealings with the nations around Israel were the same. And if you doubt that, read Isaiah, read Jeremiah, and say, let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, in Jeremiah 9, uh, it says, God says, the day will come when I will punish all who are circumcised in body, but not in spirit. Pe the people of Egypt, Edom, Ammon, Moab, and other faraway lands and also the people of Judah and Israel as well. God is going to deal harshly with the people around Israel, the nations around Israel, but He's also going to deal harshly with the people of Israel and the people of Judah as well. And then three chapters later in Jeremiah chapter 12, He says this, God says, I will punish the nations trying to harm my people, and I'll also punish my people as well. But later... I will show them all compassion and return them to their lands and include them as a part of my people. And then listen in Isaiah 25. Say, uh, listen to what Isaiah says. You, are a, you, O Lord, are a tower of refuge for all the poor and the needy and the distressed, O Lord. You are a refuge from storms. You are a shelter from the heat for all the nations of the world. God's promises, God's covenants, God's messages, and God's dealings with Israel and with the other people groups uh, around Israel, they were the same. Israel was never selected by God for, specific, for special favor. Israel was selected by God to be an example to the people of the world as to how God feels about the people of the world, how God treats the people of the world, how God relates to the people of the world. Again, the Bible declares if you read all of the Bible, that God has no favorites. Now I want to focus on two specific examples to illustrate this. Hope that I can do this well. 
The first one I was just thinking about Ephesians chapter 6 where Paul says, Masters, treat your servants with respect and fear. Now let's think about that. Masters, treat your servants with respect and fear as you want them to treat you. Do not threaten them or treat them harshly. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven, and God has no favorites. Well, I want to tell you, in Paul's day, uh, that would have been a radical idea, that God has no favorites, that God saw people the same, that God related to all people the same. Because in that day, in Paul's day, people believed that some people brought more to the table than other people, that some people were more significant, more valuable, more important in the eyes of their gods than other people were. Uh, they believed that the higher up on the, the, the humanity ladder you were in education, in rank, in social status, in class, in power, in wealth. The higher up you were, the closer you were to the gods. It was an indication that you were closer to the gods and that you ultimately, if you got close enough, an emperor, a king, you actually became divine. Yeah. You, you became a god. Yeah. Um, again, indicating that uh, the more you were given... The more you possessed, uh, that was an indication of God's favor and of God's, uh, of not God necessarily, but of the God's favor and the God's value of certain people. People believed in that day that the gods saw different people differently and favored and valued some people over others. But again, here in Ephesians 6, Paul is declaring to us that Jehovah, the God of the Bible, could not be more different. Mm. He was totally unlike any other God, small g, uh, of that day, that God has no favorites. God doesn't see people differently. He's not seeking certain people, blessing certain people, focusing on certain people over against others. God's not favoring certain people because they bring more to the table. Um, and that's so important. God doesn't need us. He doesn't need extra brilliant people any more than He needs people that aren't as brilliant or extra beautiful or extra wealthy or extra influential or extra noble. Um, he doesn't need anyone. Um, in fact, He's not... Uh, focusing on people that will bring more to the table to help him out or benefit him. That's the opposite of the picture that the Bible presents of who God is. In Jeremiah 32, God says, I will make them, I'm sorry, I will make with them an eternal everlasting covenant and I will never grow tired of doing them good. Not a covenant where God says, I need you to do good but an eternal everlasting covenant where I promise that I will never grow tired of doing you good. God's mm -hmm. in the business of doing good for people, not the other way around. In Isaiah 64, he says, no one has ever heard, 
never seen or dreamed of a God like you who works on behalf of all those who will wait on Him. I mean, what an incredible idea. Uh, Throughout history, all religions declare God needs us to serve Him. God needs us to work for Him. The gods need our service. The Bible declares God doesn't need our... God's not a God who wants us to serve Him. God wants to be a God who ser- that serves us. God, The God of the Bible is a God who wants to work on our behalf. Um, Jesus uh, believed that. Jesus lived that. Jesus said in uh, Matthew 20, Jesus did not... He said, I did not come to be served. I came to serve. A God who serves. A God who God. serves. Exactly. A God... Who serves? That's exactly right. Uh, And then that crazy, ridiculous, absurd parable in Luke chapter 12 that Jesus tells where this this master of 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 the estate has been on this long trip and he comes home unexpected and all of the, the, the household jumps up and starts rushing around, putting on their clothes and getting ready to do all the things worthy of, uh, of the homecoming of, this, this, of the master. And the master instead goes, stop, stop, sit down. And, it, and Jesus says, the master took off his robe and he began to serve them. A master who serves the servants. What a paradox. Um, God is not seeking people who will work for Him. God is seeking people who will let Him work for them. God is not a table that's empty. God is not a, a cup that, uh, that has nothing inside it. God is not a tree that is barren. God, The Bible would say that God has a, an eternal, immeasurable abundance that he delights in sharing with those. He's not thirsty wanting us to fill up him. He has an ocean of living water that he wants to share with people that he knows are dying of thirst. The other example that I wanted to to emphasize or think about uh, to just emphasize this idea that God has no favorites, uh, I want you to just think about this for a second. In our pluralistic, equal rights, equal value, equal voice society, it is so easy to miss how different and unique Jesus really was in his day. In Jesus' day, a person's worth and his rights had to do with his gender, his race, his lineage, his age, his education, his wealth, and his power. And what a radical ridiculous and, to be honest, offensive message Jesus brought both in his life and in his words for him to come representing God and to have no money, no reputation, no uh, lineage. uh, 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 He had no status, no education, no wealth, and yet he... He brought nothing to the table that would make people value him or 
or, or respect or honor him. And by doing that, I think what Jesus, by his very life, he was communicating this idea that my father, the true God, he sees people differently. He values people differently. He's not impressed with what we bring to the table. No one but God really operates without favorites. I want you to think of one example in our world today where uh, 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 favorites is not an active part of the equation. In any and every area of life, we deal in situations, our work, uh, in our finances, in, educa- in the education world, uh, in society, the society world, in business, um, especially in sports. There are those that are favored, favored and those that are less, more favored and those that are less favored. Uh, in every area of life, there are people that are more favored and people that are less favored, but not with God. No one but God operates without favorites. Jesus came with this radical, ridiculous, and offensive message that I am providing access to my Father by what I'm going to do when I die. And that access is equally available to all, to everyone. Uh, Everyone can have access to God. Everyone can have a relationship with God. I have no favorites. I want you to just think about the fact that uh, two different times it was important to Jesus to go into the temple, which he called his father's house. And two different times he said that my father's house was intended by my father to be a house of prayer for the nations. Not just for the people of Israel. It was to be a place where the people of the world could come and talk to God. And then in Luke chapter 6, among many, many other verses, Jesus uh, declares, blessed are the poor. Luke says in Luke 6, not blessed are the poor in heart, uh, but are blessed are the poor in spirit. He says, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Um, God is um, paradoxical. Uh, just, just uh, there's, a, there's a very unusual idea here that I don't want us to miss, and that is that God uh, uh, declares, and the Bible declares, that God has no favorites and that God treats everyone the same. And while that is true, there's a whole other truth going on, and that is that God does have favorites. Over and over and over again, God says that He favors those that have not been given favor. Those that have been given less, those that have experienced rejection, those that have, that have not been blessed with more, God does favor them. He does focus on them. God doesn't show favor, but He also does show favor. And I would add that God, not, God commands us not to have favorites, not to show favor, but at the same time, He also tells us to show favor to those. The poor, the widows. That's exactly right, That have orphans. not been shown favor. Yes. By example, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus says, I came to bring good news, who? To the poor. I mean, to the rich, to the educated, to the powerful. 
No, to the popular, to the beautiful. No, he says, I came to bring good news to the poor, the enslaved, the blind, and the oppressed. And then in Luke 6, he says, blessed are the poor. For there, I said that one already, that for theirs is the kingdom of God. Um, so I think it's important for us to rejoice in the, the God's declaration that He does not show favoritism. He does not have favorites. He doesn't love you more because of anything about you, anything that you bring to the table, any more than He loves me and vice versa. He doesn't care about our color, our wealth, our success. He doesn't care about what we've accomplished or how few mistakes we've made or how much we bring to the table in some realm of life. God sees us the same. He loves us the same. He's provided a relationship with all of us through the same means, through the death of His Son on the cross. But at the same time, God also says, I do notice. I do give special attention. I do give special favor, if you will, to those who the world has not given special favor to. And I ask you to do the same. Be like me. Be paradoxical, if you will. Don't show favoritism, but at the same time, I do want you to show special attention and favor to those who've not been given special favor by our world. The United States is um, experiencing uh, great upheaval right now. And I believe that we are reaping the consequences of generations of favoritism. And God begs us to repent. God begs us to live by Jesus' words where He says, Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. God loves people. He loves families. He loves communities. And He begs us to avoid those things that destroy people's lives, destroy families, and destroy communities. And one of those things that destroys people's lives, families, and communities is favoritism. Praise God that we have been given uh, equal access to Him and equal love by Him. You know, in Ephesians 2, Paul says, For through Christ we have equal access to the Father by one Spirit. Therefore, no more are you foreigners and strangers, but you're fellow citizens with God's people, and you're also members of His household. Um, As far as I know, I don't have one bit of Jewish blood running through my veins. Wish I did, but I don't. Um, But that verse, among many others, declares that uh, because of what Jesus did on the cross for you and for me, uh, we have equal access and favor with God. And we eat this bread and we drink this uh, juice uh, to declare that we have been invited into God's family and we are the beneficiaries and the recipients of His love as much as God has accepted and loved anybody and, every, and anyone uh, that's ever lived. So let's eat and drink and rejoice in that. Thank you for being here today with us. We are so glad that you could join us. 
Uh, may the Lord bless you this week. Thank you. Amen. Oh, and I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Oh, and I've seen many searching for answers. Far and but I know that we're all searching for answers Only you provide Cause you know just what we need Before we say a word You're a good, good father It's who you are It's who you are It's who you are And I'm loved by you It's who I am it's who I am, it's who I am, you're a good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all.
perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. Thanks again for joining us. We are Christ Community Church. Come on back next week. Same place, same time, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, 1015. Probably not in your backyard next week, somewhere else, but come on back. Uh, There's a share button, so share it, and uh, tell your friends to come back next week. Y'all have a great week. Thank y'all.